Hello, welcome to Podcast in Space number 16. 16. It's the 6th of Fe- 16. It's the 16th of February 2018, it's, so it's it's 6th of February. 6th. Yes, that one. It's the yep. future now. Too many sixes. Anyway, so here we are. We're back from a rather long hiatus for which we profusely apologize. Uh, over the New Year's period, we've been knuckling down and in news that will surprise nobody, working super hard on objects in space. That's um, pretty much our lives. Um, so given that it's been a really long amount of time, uh, Elissa and I thought it would be a good idea to forego our usual thing of giving you some general news updates on uh, you know, what's been going on, where we've been traveling or showing the game off, or what news is going on on like a meta level. We thought we'd turn this into like a lightning round and just go through really quickly some of the stuff that's been added over the last three months, which or is, is being worked on right now. Yeah, or is being worked on right now. And that would be one, two, three. According to the list in front of us, it's a lot. So we're going to just try and keep it to like a minute per thing and just sort of race through it for the whole podcast and give you an idea of what kind of work's been done. Um, but I guess in a, in a sort of general sense, we retreated into a hole of adding very, very large features to the game that are like vital things we needed to get out of the way and um, haven't had a playable version of the game for, how long would you say, Alyssa? Like, probably I don't know. I mean, it's always like there's been features that get added so another thing wasn't there or something like that. And yeah, you sort of hit this point where, um, you know, you're doing sprints to add features stuff ends up not actually broken but functionally broken like you can't really play through big chunks of the game until stuff gets finally done Mm. and that's probably been the case for about two months or so so yeah we've i'd say we've uh yeah two months or so of broken game sounds about right and for the last two weeks we've had a nice playable version again but i think we'll we'll touch on that in the podcast so um Yes, with you is Lee Harris and Alyssa Harris and our artist, Matthew Purchase. Hey. Hi, Matt. Okay. Lightning round. Shall we do it? Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. First up, we have the Space Station Room Editor. Take it away, Matt. All right. Uh, So I've been working on a little editor sort of tool for Lee to put together our gigantic list of space stations throughout the the cluster. so the tool needs to take uh, the modular assets I've built for each of the varying types of stations and then just give Lee the opportunity to put together these um, new stations in various ways and forms. Yeah, I've um, been treating it like, I think of it as virtual Lego. Yeah, or like space Ikea. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's that's been good. Um, flexing my programming muscles on that one has been fun. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of... All together, we've got a whole bunch of stations in the game now, and um, it's really fun to see them all like actually playable. Because I mean, that was working before. It's just that it was not used in anger by yeah. by yeah. anyone. So it sort of was functionally there, but then just wasn't really kind of yeah. It's sort of like what was it like maybe six months ago that yeah, first got made. It was it was, yeah. then, it was spoken about back then, but mm. now we've actually been able to like act, you know have a go at it and start doing stuff like adding uh, hit boxes that I can customize and stretch mm. out and that sort of thing. Uh, allowing for rotation to be wherever I want it to be visually and then do the hitboxes separately so yeah, we don't yeah. have some of those interesting issues where the hitboxes are the entire size of large curved objects and yeah. things like that. Um, and also lighting improvements. We've spent a fair amount of time making sure that we can get a decent lighting pipeline set up. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really, really rewarding to see that all coming together now. Hmm. So we've probably got 
uh, yeah, about 10 or 20 rooms of space stations left to go before that whole large section is just... Uh, all the architecture is done. Yeah. Then comes the lighting pass. Then the detail pass. Yeah. But let us have this. Yeah. How many uh, rooms have we done so far? I'm willing to say 250. Yeah. So, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a hell of a lot. Uh, next up is Star Systems. This one's on me. Um... This is all of the uncharted star systems. So we already had, you know, all the main systems in the game. You can fly around and buy and sell things at all the spaceports in the large commercial sections of the game without worrying too much about, like, pirate threats. But what I've been focusing on is making sure that even if you go all the way to the outer rim and explore the far reaches of space, there's always going to be something there. And I've had a lot, a lot of fun with it because I get to be, and I apologize in advance, everybody, a complete dick to you. Because if you're going to travel all the way to the far reaches of the very edges of the solar system, then you're a pretty advanced player with um, you know, enough courage to really want to put yourself out there, or you've got a ship that can handle it. So there are like mazes of networks of just awful nebulae and asteroids that are going to be a nightmare to navigate, that are going to be populated with all kinds of cool things for you to find, but yeah, it will be tricky. But the... There is not a single star system in the game now that isn't populated. Some of them still need touching up, but um, they're all there. There is no star system that is empty of the... How many did we say? There's about a dozen that you can visit that are populated, and about another 20 or so that are unpopulated, that yeah, are just that sounds right. pirate nebula mazes. So, yeah, about 32 or so. And if you were going to sit there and fully explore a star system, you might be talking about, you know half an hour to an hour depending mm -hmm. on how many times you get lost and how much you bump into pirates mm. yeah so that's that next up uh, we added a stat tracking feature or rather you did Alyssa yeah so um, it's basically I mean some of the internal stuff's always been tracked like how many times you've done different things how many places you've visited uh, but we've also got the ability to have arbitrary stats that can be added uh, by Lee so things like uh Internally, different missions might qualify as different sorts. Like there might be a mission that uh, counts as weapon smuggling or illegal, and so you can just bump those stats up, and it can affect what turns up before. So after you've done a few missions of, of one type, then that flag can um, that stat can be used as a mm. requirement guard to see other make other missions available or make certain dialogue choices available. So this is something that we've. Um we've decided is something we want to keep invisible from the player though um, we, we track some of this stuff in the background so that it makes logical sense that if you're doing dodgy stuff you get um, out of the blue hey I've heard you're good doing you know dodgy smuggling missions or I've heard your reputation is upstanding but this isn't a system it's not designed as like a you know a massive morality system in the background or anything it's just okay have they done a couple of these types of missions before if so then allow this mission to come forward. So it's pretty simple stuff, but it's just going to sort of keep your experience consistent. I know this is already... I can feel it pissing off completionists out there. So to completionists, we apologize, but we will piss you off in more ways than just this. It's it's not, uh, not a good game for people who like to 100% things. Uh, so next thing is advanced flag logic. So... Mission states are tracked with um, arbitrary text flags. We've had this for ages. It's a good way to do it because, I mean, like if we looked at ways that uh, other RPG-like systems did it and we had things like um, uh, the Bethesda games 
just basically have a number to indicate almost uh, like the state of a mission. So it'll remember like, you know, the mission state is 100, which means that this conversation will happen or this thing will happen. And depending on what you actually select, um, you know, it might then either move to mission state 150 or mission state 200 or something. But this does make it um, kind of linear. So we used flags instead. The other thing that we've now added is advanced flag logic, which basically means that if certain conditions are met, including other flags being set, then with a delay or without other flags can happen. So basically the entire game world can have uh, more complicated sort of if then and optional sort of uh, sets. Just basically means that we can do much more uh, complicated events based on things that may or may not have happened in previous missions or something like that. I think it's the sort of thing that uh, we kind of have to do and most developers have to do to make sure that a game feels like it's just operating according to basic logic in the background. So this this is more of an exciting feature for us than for you, but it's one of those ones you won't notice, but you'll be happy it's there. Uh, the next one up is tooltips. Um, this was a very, very recent addition. Hover your mouse cursor over a thing and a tooltip will pop up and tell you what that thing is. Um, came out of feedback from our publisher, actually, who was... Uh, looking to find more ways to indicate to the player what things mean and what things do and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, we've tried to add a whole bunch of like helpful little things in there that will teach the player how stuff works for those people that um, you know, rush through conversations and just want to tool around on the ships themselves and that sort of thing. Um, and at the same time, I guess this ties into the infopedia that you created, Alyssa. So that was a... Um, uh, I, I guess based off you know the civilopedia of old and that yeah. sort of thing. We kind of had that before, but it was a placeholder in that we hard coded some stuff. Whereas now what I've done is basically allowed entries with different tags and things like that to be placed in files, which means that Lee's been getting a lot of data, uh, like creating entries that are sort of giant help files for different systems, and also uh, we can put in in world information if we want to from the like taking it from our internal development wiki and moving it over. So at the moment, it's all just instructional stuff on how things work. I'm going to get a little more granular over time with it, but it's going to be a little question mark, which is your one-stop shop for what does everything mean sort of stuff. Um, next up, so buying and selling ships. I think we've spoken about the fact that you can do that before, but it now actually functions. Yeah, so now it's got a proper graphical interface and you can select ships. You can also hit a button to actually view them, so you can board a ship and just sort of walk around and see the interior at first, which is not actually... Uh, it's kind of a useful feature, but it's, it's uh, principally just kind of a... A cool thing. It means that right from the beginning of the game, you can board the fanciest ships and have a look at them and stuff like that. See mm. what uh, see what they come with. See what the rooms look like. It also gives you access to the engineering panel for that ship, right? Um, yes, it's going to. Yeah, so you can go through and have a detailed look inside, basically under the hood of that ship. Yeah, it's like being able to open the engine and have a look at it and go like, oh, okay, this looks like it's in pretty good condition. Mm. It's got these modules and this components. Or not. Or not. <laughs> it could be completely <laughs> yeah. crap. Yeah, we definitely want some like second-hand ones that are nice and cheap that are second-hand for a very good reason and don't even work when you first buy them and need some like... <laughs> Tinkering, you've got to go buy an extra module and repair the RCS or something. The SS 20-year-old Datsun 180B. Yeah. Um, and while you were coding the ability to board ships that you didn't own, Alyssa, you at the same time were coding the ability for us to do that with derelict ships out in space. Yeah, so if, you, if there's a ship that's been destroyed 
um, you know, and the crew have left, you can board it so you can just wander on and there's like smashed monitors and you can do things like unlock the cargo hold so you can then access all of its cargo and stuff like that. That's um, one of the big ones. Like, um, if you're out in space and you're exploring and you come across stuff and you're not sure what it is and it could be a horrible pirate and that's bad or it could be a floating cargo pod that someone has jettisoned in space and that's good or it could be an entire derelict ship which may contain many cargo pods and that's very good but it's not like a guaranteed thing it's more like a bell curve in fact there's something we, we don't have on our giant list which we should probably go into which is that we've changed the way the, that uh, the navcom shows uh, detected objects now mm. um we used to it used to just appear on the map as a question mark and then progress from there whereas now what happens is um if you, you based on its location based on its, its angle from you 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 get like a a, a cone um which is very broad initially to indicate that you're not entirely sure roughly what directional distance it is. And then as you get a better solution on it, the cone narrows and uh, it becomes more obvious that it is actually like where the precise location of it is. We, we kind of decided to do that when we took a look at um, the fact that we had you know diamonds for things that were ships and cones for things that were not and realized that that kind of took the fun out of the guesswork of trying to figure out what an object was. Yeah. So we wanted something more uniform where every time you detect a thing, it appears in the, the same way. And until you've spent enough time with it in visual range and you haven't yet figured out what it is, until that happens, it could be a, a threat or it could be a bonus. Yep. So it gives the player a bit more impetus to sort of think about where they're going to position themselves so they can see it whilst still remaining safe. Uh, okay, what else? Uh, passengers hailing from the cabin. Yeah, so you can get an intercom message from your passenger now. Um, so you get this little sort of bleeping noise and you can be in the middle of trying to drive your ship and then the, you know, you get um, Angry Bill who you've picked up and agreed to give passage from somewhere in Leo to somewhere in Kansas and, uh, you know, get this, this message going, hey, are we there yet, or something like that, which literally was my test. Like, to make sure it worked, I just created a, a brief conversation thread where the passenger just pages you mid-journey mid to say, are we there yet? <laughs> and then you get a bunch of snarky responses. I imagine that's going to probably come up in the middle of uh, tense fights with pirates. Torpedoes flying at you, little dude <laughs> saying, are we there yet? <laughs> uh, it probably would, actually. <laughs> I, I kind of want that to happen now. I'm yeah. just imagining, like, you know, there's a missile coming at you, and then you get the intercom, and you're expecting something about that, and the, and the guy says, you seem to be out of, like, uh, coffee back here, the coffee <laughs> machine. Do you have, like, an extra bag of it somewhere? Service, please. <laughs> uh, I quite like that one, actually. That's, that's one that's really opened it up for, like, really early-stage testing, showing stories to someone where... Uh, conversations were meant to happen mid-flight but the player was required to know that that conversation was going to happen and had to manually go and go to the cabin and click on the person um, with no notification and no impetus to do that um, players just would skip it entirely and they would not see that stuff so I haven't been able to get much of a full representation of what a playthrough would be like of some of the different missions in the game but now that that stuff's working we can do things like, you know, the player is getting from A to B and all of a sudden they get a message from the intercom going, I wasn't entirely truthful to you about the reason why I asked you for passage and that sort of thing. Um, and tying into that sort of like ease of access stuff or notifying the player, I think a lot of the stuff we've been doing has been about front facing stuff for the player is email notifications. So how the email system works is that if there's an email waiting for the player, a message waiting for the player in the database, 
then you still actually have to turn on your comm system and synchronize with whatever Starbase is nearby. Now, if you're docked with a Starbase, this happens automatically. And if you've got it set to auto, it'll just do this every couple of minutes. But it gives away your position because it's like, you know, powering up the, the AE35 unit and pointing it at the nearest Starbase. Which is fine if you're in, you know, friendly territory and you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, but the what we've done is, that, so the underlying kind of... Um, whatever system we're, we're defining it as will tell you how many email no like how many emails you've got waiting on the server basically um, so now on the on the uh, main bridge there's a little indicator indicating when you've got new messages mm. um, which is useful because a lot of the time those messages are important um, you still have to have your comm system on so if you're in emissions control mode to try and hide from a pirate you're not going to know if you've got any, any emails because your comm system is shut down because it gives away your position I think this is kind of where Objects in Space picks up the slack for not having a lot of visual stuff going on outside of the bridge on account of, you know, you can't see out the front window because it doesn't exist, is that um, there's a lot more sort of ambient stuff to do with what's going on in the game world. You are sending and receiving messages and carrying on contracts and things like that with different companies. And so, yeah, getting email stuff is a big part of what makes the world feel very alive. Um, next up, uh, we actually have an intro. You can yeah. play it, you can hit new game, and it we, goes. We did this a while ago, but it wasn't seamless. Like, you basically had a tutorial section, or you could go and play the main game, whereas now what it's done is it's entirely seamless. So without going into, like, and spoiling what the initial story is, basically you run through a whole tutorial section, and then it sort of seamlessly drops you into the open world so you don't actually realize that it's sort of shifted in any way until the tutorial is done and you're going. But, of course, we do have a checkbox so you can skip that because we don't want to be like black and white and force everybody to play through a 20-minute introduction every time, regardless of how well they know the game. For those people who are still upset about a 20-year-old game, that one's for you. Uh, we wrote down NPCs get off anywhere. That's that's nice. I mean, it, it, I mean, previously there were designated areas, but now now it's, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a free love type of game world, you know. I just wrote down whatever you asked me to write down. <laughs> um, this is one of those behind the scenes sort of things that uh, matters, I guess, more for yeah, more for development than for the player experience. But uh, let's say you agree to take a passenger somewhere, and you're taking what the judges call your sweet-ass time, then eventually the passenger will get pissed off enough that they will just go fine and get off at the next space station. Um, so now we now have the ability to do that. Um, so it just sort of prevents players from taking a passenger and keeping them for as long as they want to before eventually getting to that destination. And at the same time, in more narrative-driven story stuff, if you've got a, um, a person that you've just rescued from somewhere and they're like, oh, just drop me at the nearest starbase, um, we can do something like when you get to that nearest starbase, they appear at the airlock having just got off your ship so they can thank you and profusely and shower you with treasure and gold and loot and all that other fun stuff. Um, so moving back to things that players care about instead of developers, multiple save slots is now a thing. Small details, yeah. So the, the decision we've made as to how the game progresses is that we want your, your decisions to have lasting impacts but they're not going to be quite as massive as you know telltale game and they're not going to be quite so obvious but the result is um what they tend what what those decisions do is that there'll be the subtle things that sort of happen um every time you dock at a starbase your game is saved every time you undock at a starbase your game is saved basically at periodic points your game is saved automatically so you select a slot and you just keep playing the game uh, if you die then it will spawn you back at the last place that you saved but 
what it won't do is allow you to sort of quick save and quick load to repeat an action multiple times because we the, this is one of those things where the decisions actually matter. Um, so but previously we only had one slot which was a bit of a problem if you're testing things whereas now we can have a bunch of save slots at the main menu and stuff like that which sounds incredibly trivial but it makes a big difference when you're testing especially now that we're doing somewhat more large-scale tests and having people play the game for you know, chunks of time and we want to keep, potentially keep their saves and have them come back to it. So the next one is uh, a, a really small one again that's more for us. And I, I, don't, I kind of don't want to explain it in too much detail because it might give away some of the nature of uh, some of the missions, but um, we've got the ability to have space stations that are not fixed to a particular location so that when you're looking for them, they're not guaranteed to be in the same place every time. This is for like... Uh, cryptic missions where you have to go and look for a thing but you're unsure of its destination we had to implement a way that would uh, a way for space stations to not be at a fixed location so that allows us to do that yeah it's so not the idea i mean we wouldn't use it for giant space stations or anything but the idea of like a small you know research depot that you've got to try and find or something at some mm. point it could mm. appear in one of multiple places so it does mean that that kind of thing allows for more longevity of gameplay and uh, the next one is that we are embarking, or rather, I guess you are embarking, Alyssa, while I'm busying myself on other things, in uh, really delving into the guts of the AI and giving it what it needs to get to 1.0. So when we first showed off the game, I had to very quickly write uh, movement code and AI code, so it's very, very simplistic. Um, everything's on rails, and it bas basically nothing ever deviates from that. It's but, like the Donald Trump of AI code. Um, but we, we managed to kind of... Uh, cheat enough that it wasn't too obvious but we were mostly just doing you know 15 minute demos on show floor so it didn't really matter but technically it had enough features to allow us to you know put in all the game content and test things but you know we now actually need all the proper ai with different sort of states so merchant ships will go off the beaten path and decide what to do pirates will attack people properly and stuff like that so that's my current project which is going to be quite a long one i expect it will probably take me the next like on and off for the next four or six weeks is basically putting all the final complicated um, ship-based AI in. Yeah, it'd be lovely if you were doing that not in the summer where it's like 30 degree heat on a good day, but, you know, can't be helped. Um, actually, the last one we should probably touch on quickly is the lighting. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah, we've got all these new star, system, uh, star bases, all the architecture is getting done. We need to do a lighting pass at some point. And, yeah, we're... I guess quite uh, hamstrung by working with a relatively simplistic engine in terms of what we can do with lighting. Mm. So relatively simplistic. <laughs> it's it's a okay. Non it's a non deferred <laughs> rendering. Painful. Yeah. Uh, no, it's 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 fine. We're um, kind of working to the limits of the engine as much as possible with objects in space, and that's kind of been the go-to since we switched to 3d way back when we yeah started it's not an engine that's really built for it but at the yeah. same time it's it's something that those limitations do mean that like keeping with our sort of 90s 3d aesthetic has been you know, mandatory is, is, <laughs> yes, has, has been far more mandatory than than perhaps than we, we might have liked. liked yeah um so we've spent a lot of time on the art side of thing trying to get the lighting working uh to an acceptable degree uh, we don't have the luxury of things like shadows or uh, nice um, ambient occlusion that you might find in games. Hell, we don't even have anti-aliasing. Um, but we do have a very basic lighting engine. So we're working with that and trying to build something really nice with that. 
um, using a combination of um, the three types of lights available, available to us, ambient spot and point lights, um, to kind of really make each station and each room feel as unique as possible, um, whilst also not like, trying to hide as some of the rougher edges of the game. Trying to. I think the thing is, um, like one of the reasons why a lot of this stuff is has been talked about but not shown yet, is that until all of the different, uh, you know, w modular wall types and decorations and furniture and stuff mm. were done for space stations, and then assembled, and then until the lighting was working to a state where we were happy with it and implemented so that scenes were lit properly, and on top of that, having uh, NPCs that animated, because currently the only animation we have in there is checking your wristwatch, which means every <laughs> single NPC in the game, when you're talking to them, looks kind of impatient and can't wait for you to leave, which is hilarious. <laughs> they just got a new Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah. Just really it's a, it's a it. Fitbit. Yeah, no, no, yeah no, they're all just fitness the, um, enthusiasts. It's the, the iPad thing that they've all got. It's just that giant <laughs> iPad strapped to their wrists. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we kind of wanted to you know be able to have NPCs in naturalistic poses, proper lighting done, and uh, have the architecture actually to a stage where we were happy with it before we start showing any of the, the worlds and space stations and stuff that you can visit. Um, so it's coming along very, very nicely. Mm. Almost all the architecture is done. The lighting pass will not take long. Um, animation's probably a good uh, couple of months away. Like the... The actual animation work on the art side has been done, done, but getting the system to uh, be implemented is a whole nother kettle of fish. Mm. Yeah, so we've had, um, like, we had to prioritize everything as you always do with this stuff, and basically getting to minimum viable product, making the game fully playable with all the features is the important thing, because basically I can polish stuff and add complicated um, animation systems while uh, Lee is making sure all the game logic and all of the game. Uh, features are actually sort of in place and working for the full campaign. Mm. Um, so I suppose we should probably sign off this podcast since it has been a while with a general sort of update on uh, like where the game's at. Like a couple of people on the forums have just asked what's going on with the release date and stuff like that. Um, the last time we were speaking about a release date, we said early 2018. Um, since we're still adding features and it's early 2018, that's clearly not going to be the case. Um, I think at this point we're looking at dropping it in May. We're not uh, committing to a specific date, but that's what we're aiming for at the moment, and that's what we're talking about with the publisher. So, um, yeah, we'll keep you posted if that changes, but that's what we're shooting for. And um, we'll see like when it gets to that point. We kind of want something to get out there at some point soon. So um, we'll start talking about uh, getting things into a closed beta or something like that once things are a little more stable in the coming maybe in the coming month or two. I think once the, the features, the bulk of the features are in there, we can start doing some testing in earnest. So um, yeah, watch this space for beta and release date stuff, but otherwise things are probably progressing more quickly than they have at any other point in production and have been for the last six months. It's just that it's a very big game. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, space is big. I mean, you may really think it's big. A, it's a, you may think it's a long walk down to the shops, <laughs> but that's just peanuts to space. And then when you put objects in it, you know, just forget uh, about it. Just it gets huge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you for your patience with us, everybody. We'll keep on posting more stuff on the forums, and we'll keep you updated on how it's all going. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.